Do all of your tales have tales? Mine too. We all enjoy a funny story, an uplifting account, or a sweet childhood memory involving animals. That's what we're sharing on this podcast. As a lifelong animal lover like you, and a professional pet and people photographer, you can imagine I have many tales to tell. Every week, I will be premiering an episode that I narrate or have a special guest join me to share their tale. This podcast goes along with the Tales with Tales Facebook group at Silverpaw Studio, so be sure to join me there too. Now enjoy today's episode. Welcome Tales with Tales listeners. On the show today, I have two special guests. They are representing the Northern Colorado Wildlife Center. One of the guests is Kate Boyd. She told a story about her bearded dragon on a previous Tales with Tales episode, so you'll need to go back and listen to that fun story. But also, we are welcoming Talon Nightwalker, who is the founder of the Northern Colorado Wildlife Center. Now, they have partnered this year with the Northern Colorado Herpetological Society, which Kate founded. Uh, So it's a really, really interesting story today on the podcast from an interview I did with them on the Critter Patter radio show on KRFC. So sit back and listen to some fun wildlife tales today. On the show today, I have two guests in the studio representing one center, and we're going to meet them right now. We have Kate Boyd and Talon Nightwalker. Thanks so much for coming to the studio. Yeah. Hi, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Now, Talon, you're the president and one of the founders of the Northern Colorado Wildlife Center. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's back up just a little bit, though. I want to know a little bit more about you. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like you said, I am one of the founders. Three years ago, um, myself and a a few other people decided that Northern Colorado needed wildlife rehabilitation again. And, And the Humane Society did have a rehab center, but they closed it back in 2012. Mm. And that left thousands of animals just between Larimer and Well counties that had nowhere to go and nowhere to turn for help when they needed it. And so we decided we wanted to change that. And so we decided to establish the nonprofit and really work towards bringing back a bigger, better center that not only focuses on saving the wildlife and getting them back into the wild, but also that holds education for our community as a priority as well and can provide the you know, the education outreach services, the school visits, community center visits, stuff like that, but also very in-depth hands-on volunteer opportunities, internship opportunities, you know, jobs, whether it's full-time or seasonal, and try to encompass that under one nonprofit. And luckily, you know, it, it, I mean, it's not easy. It's taken Mm. a lot of donations and a lot of cutting through red tape and a ton of teamwork that I've been super excited to see. And, We've, we've for the last couple of years, brought back a lot of the education and outreach that the community didn't have. And then uh, just a month or so ago, we were able to open up our doors to reptile and amphibian rehabilitation. Mm. So, yeah, so we're helping those guys out now and, and, you know, curbing some of those numbers of the animals that need help. But there's still a ton of work to be done. And that's kind of where we're at now is um, working towards getting that full-fledged big wildlife rehabilitation center up and running that cares for 
not only reptiles and amphibians, but also the birds and mammals and the bats and yeah, you know, that also need help. You know, and, and that's what's going to be really the, you know, not the end goal, but the where we're trying to go. Yeah. So. Oh, that's huge. And Talon, so has this been like a lifetime passion of yours or do you just wake up one day and go, dang, this is not being served by our community? <laughs> No, so it has been a lifetime passion. I had a, a weird upbringing into this field. So <laughs> when I was five, my parents split up. And so my, and my dad was the director of a wildlife rehab center that used to be here in Fort Collins. And, and so when they broke up, I, I didn't have anywhere else to go after school. So I would just go to work with them, oh. you know, for a couple hours, a few days a week. And then, you know, I mean, I was five, so, you know, the work quality and, eth you know, um, motivation is not great. But as I was able to grow up in it and get smarter and stronger, I was able to do more and more and go from cleaning empty cages to maybe clean, you know, feeding baby birds and then baby raccoons. And then when I got, uh, when I turned 18, I became licensed with the state for wildlife rehabilitation. And then I got hired on as a staff member at uh, Greenwood Wildlife Rehab, that's down Longmont. Um, because they're the next closest, and they serve Pueblo to Wyoming, so they have wow. a huge range. And um, but yeah, but I got licensed there and hired on staff, and that's where I've been ever since. You know, as we work on this until it can support jobs. But wow. yeah, so it has been a lifetime thing, and yeah. I'm hoping to take it for a lifetime. Oh, yeah, you're just starting out with this uh, uh, wildlife center. This is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And Kate Boyd, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah. So I've. Uh, I've always been an animal person my whole life. Steve mm -hmm. Irwin and David Attenborough are two of my mm -hmm. idols. And I just kind of grew up walking around in the woods and catching animals that I could just to just to see them up close and say hi. And <laughs> that grew into getting a degree in zoology and working in a zoo. And uh, that kind of sparked my passion for reptiles and amphibians. And uh, I started the Northern Colorado Herptological Society. So we have been... Um, I've been very passionate about reptiles and amphibians. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so when I uh, joined on with the Wildlife Center, that uh, just seemed like a perfect fit. And everything kind of fell into place with that. We, we figured out, you know, we really need to open our doors. We need the public to really see that what we can do. And we need to show them that we are here for these animals. And so what can we do with that, you know? And birds and mammals are kind of a huge, big task to rehabilitate. Mm -hmm. They take a lot of space and resources that we just don't have yet. But something we did have with, um, you know, with the Herptological Society as a background is the equipment and the resources for reptiles and amphibians. So that's kind of how that all fell into place with starting the Wildlife Center for rehabbing just reptiles and amphibians. Oh, wow. And that's a fairly recent, um, I don't want to say merger or partnership. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Like just this year, right? Yeah, yeah, I would like say officially. so. Yeah, it's kind of just developed on its own, just on, you know, since I'm part of both organizations, it's just kind of see a need, fill a need, and yeah. we all have the same mission. We're all, you know, animal kind of um, welfare organizations that really care about these critters, and, you know, it just made sense to help each other out. Yeah, and that's how I found out about the Wildlife Center was through the Herpetological <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Society, right, Kate? Yeah, yes, exactly. okay. <laughs> Trying to get these big words out. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, that, and that is one uh, great thing, you know. I mean, Kate's generosity and the Herp Society's generosity has been unmatched, but 
but going into this field, whether it's wildlife rehabilitation or care for exotics and, you know, stuff, even domestics, is there is no true competition. And, and that's right. really helped build that network of support that, you know, we need as a nonprofit or as a group of nonprofits. You know, we need not only the community support and donations and, and help and advocacy there, but also, yeah, this network of support within ourselves and to really hold each other up and say, okay, yeah, you know, I'll bring animals to this fundraiser. And then next time you bring your supplies mm -hmm. to my fundraiser, you know, and, and we can have these booths and, and make it just that much better and bring that quality to yeah. the community. That's exciting. Talon, tell us what, what all does the Northern Colorado Wildlife Center do? I know you have two main things. Yeah, so we do. So um, like Kate said, since we are an all-volunteer organization right now, we, we all have multiple jobs and, and families and everything like that. But... We do provide a lot of education outreach services. You know, in the few years we've been an organization, we have already provided hundreds of hours of uh, edu environmental education outreach services mm. to you know, really all ages. You know, our, our kind of motto with that is try and tailor our programs to the audience mm. for what they want. So whether it's visiting preschools and doing games with them or maybe talks at Jack's about how to be safe while hiking with wildlife oh. um, or even going to you know Colorado State University and talking to their zoological club about what wildlife rehab really entails as a career oh. um, so we do a lot of that and then you know because if we can prevent a problem perfect True. you know if, if we can stop the animals from being hurt in the first place I would be more than happy to be out of a job because of it <laughs> yeah. but you know that might be a little bit more of a fallacy but um, but then, yes, and then we are providing those reptile and amphibian rehabilitation services. So giving them the medical care and the husbandry care they need to uh, get better from whatever injury or illness they're, they've been afflicted with and then release them back into the wild so they can do that. So, you know, for example, a couple, you know, we've had two patients that we've actually had in our care so far in the last few weeks of being actually open to that. Um, and we had a bull snake that Kate can tell you about a little bit later that was stuck in a window well and got himself in some trouble. And then also we had a snapping troll that got hit by a car on I-25. Um, you know, and that's just a couple examples of of what kind of things we're seeing. You know, and then the other we've had some birds come in, but unfortunately, since we're not licensed for them yet, we can't care for them, so we have mm -hmm. to transfer them out of county to another rehabilitation center. Gotcha. So. Mm -hmm. Um, give us a little bit of a scope of what all it's wildlife is a huge word. It could range right from salamanders to I don't even know mountain lions. Mountain right. lions. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're licensed except for the birds. It sounds like to do something for all of these. Yeah. So it gets kind of tricky, and it and it gets really bureaucratic sometimes, but. So you have to have an, an individual has to be licensed in the state for wildlife rehabilitation and they're licensed for a certain amount of species. And then you also have your have to have your facility licensed mm. for those species, right? So that's where, you know, for myself as an example, because I do work at NOCO and Greenwood in Longmont, I'm licensed for small and medium-sized mammals, so up to the size of a coyote and everything lower, and then all birds except raptors, and then also now the reptiles and amphibians. Mm. But, um, so, you know, I have experience and I know how to take care of all those animals, but because we're limited on our resources and space and so we can only do the reptiles and amphibians right now, um, mm. 
so that's kind of how that works and and uh you know so hopefully the the big overarching goal and we're in a discussion with a potential property donor right now yeah so you know hopefully Mm -hmm. got our fingers crossed for that yeah but um you know as we get more space and we can build those big outdoor aviaries and you know Mm -hmm. fox and coyote runs we can do um all the reptiles and amphibians that we're doing now and then bird all the birds except raptors because we already have the raptor center in fort collins right and then also do those small medium-sized mammals so up to the size of a coyote um just because we don't there's just we don't have anybody on our board of directors or on our team that's licensed for the large carnivores or Mm -hmm. the ungulates or anything like that so um again you know that's in the 50 100 year plan where (laughs) you know it'd be awesome to have this full-fledged you bring whatever animal you find to us that needs help um, but for right now to keep it realistic and keep it with, you know, within what we're comfortable working with, we're just looking to do the reptiles, amphibians, birds, and, and the small medium-sized mammals. Okay. So you have just some like space and, and people restrictions there, but you, your education probably is the bigger part of what you spend your time on. For right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. That Which and then huge. just, it is, it, it's important, but yeah, that, and then just, yeah, everything that goes into trying to start up that the rest of the rehab yeah our education and outreach has been amazing it's been a really cool experience and i think it's just so important i can't count how many people in just this past week have asked me about even helping turtles cross the road oh. i had three people message me about you know how they've seen it they saw a turtle crossing the road and they knew what to do because of conversations that we've had about these about wildlife conflict solutions like this and i think that's the most important factor is that that public kind of connecting point with these animals and wildlife is so that humans, us humans, we know what to do when we encounter these animals on our roads or in our homes. And uh, so that's a really major, major part of our organization and what we're doing. So how do you help a turtle cross the road then? (laughs) That's a really good question. And it can depend on the species a little bit. Uh, But for the most part, just making sure that they get across the road safely is, of course, number one. And um, making sure that they stay going in the direction that they were headed. So if you see a turtle crossing the road and it looks like it was coming from a pond, it's not a good idea to pick that turtle up and put it back in the pond where it came from. Because that turtle is just going to try and cross the road again. And uh, so you've just kind of increased that danger zone time for them to be on the road. So making sure that you help them across in the direction that they're heading is really important. Um, And being able to tell what species is also a little bit important for you for human safety as well. Yeah. Or if it happens to be a nice uh, big old snapping turtle, making sure that it uh, can't grab you with its mouth is great. Uh, Just making sure to stay behind the turtle for the most part. If you can pick it up from the bottom of the shell, that's great. Grabbing it by the end of the tail is can be pretty. It can be pretty harmful for them, mm. so I wouldn't recommend grabbing it by the tail to bring it across the road if you do find one. Usually, if you can find like a nice big stick or just kind of walk behind it, usually that's enough to get them to want to cross the road on their own, and you don't have to have any actual handling contact with the animal. So those are kind of the best tips for so turtle really crossing. Just be a crossing guard. Yes, yeah? exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what I picture. Like, even if you don't have an orange vest, yeah. <laughs> you can stand out there while he crosses the road and let him be on his way. I didn't realize that don't take him back to the pond, even if it's right there. They've got their mm-hmm. mindset on going in this exactly. direction. Exactly. Right. And also, I didn't know we had snapping turtles. <laughs> yes, we do. We've got <laughs> so, some big ones. That yeah. sounds a little scary. Uh, so, yeah, if, if in doubt, uh, maybe you could talk to the Northern Colorado Wildlife Center. This might be a good point to talk about a good way to contact you if anyone has 
pose these questions like, oh, mm -hmm. I saw this turtle, I know what to do. We do have our website. It is, it's just nocowildlife.org. Oh. Um, yeah, I tried to keep it simple. But yeah. um, the honestly, the better way to contact us was probably be through Facebook, just sending us a message. Okay. Um, yeah, it, I know it's, not, it's super simplistic, but um, our phones for some of our people that are our three rehabilitators that we have on our board um, all get the messages so we can just, you know, pings up on our phone, we're able to answer you right away and then resolve whatever conflict you're, you find yourself in. Oh. Um, but then also Facebook and even some Instagram is a, a huge education platform for us as well. And just trying to create little infographs or pictures or whatever. And like, just like Kate said, yeah, it's amazing how many people are like, I never knew that. You know, um, I just made a post the other day. This time of year, we get a lot of cases where people are knocking down swallow nests and because they're consider them in the way. And, messy, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and people don't realize that they're protected under the Migratory Bird Act, so that's a felony to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and not only that, but it's also obviously, you know, likely killing all those animals you're oh. knocking down because they can't fly anymore. So... So I made that post, yeah, and it was amazing how many people were like, I never even knew they were protected. Or I didn't yeah. understand why that when I knock their nest down, they can't just fly away from the ground because swallows have to fledge flight it because they're aerial insectivores. So when they get knocked to the ground, the parents just give up and oh. then they, you know, they just starve or something. So yeah, it is amazing how many little facts that might be common sense to me that mm -hmm. the public just never mm -hmm. heard of. Yeah, like I said, I mean, if we can prevent a problem before there is a problem, that's super ideal and but yeah, even these little ways that people can help save animals too, like stopping on the road. And mm. um, because it's funny, I just actually last week had the same kind of call about a bull snake in the road, though. Oh. And someone was like, "I don't know how to help across the road, and yeah. I don't want to mm -hmm. get hit." And I was like, "Cool." And the problem uh, was that they were afraid of snakes, and I was like, "No, it's super easy. All you have to do is just walk up and tap its tail, either with your hand or a stick." And as I was on the phone with him, a, a Sheriff's deputy actually showed up and stopped traffic for him, which was awesome oh, to hear and see easy. that they're caring for animals. And yeah, he did literally walked up and just kind of tapped in back of its tail with his <laughs> back or with his boot, and then it took off. And they were like, "I can't believe it was that easy." And oh. I was like, "You know, yeah." And now that animal's life is saved. You know, we don't have to worry about him getting hit by a car. Oh. So you know, it is really easy in a lot of ways for people to save these animals' lives um, without even having to go hands-on with them. So. Oh, oh, because I've been in other parts of the country. I was in the south a couple of months ago, and there are places where there's definitely turtles crossing the road, and so there's big signs everywhere. Slow down, mm -hmm. you can only go this fast, giant pictures of turtles. <laughs> um, but we have such a plethora of animals, and you never know where they're going to be. Just mm -hmm. be on the lookout all the time. Ma'am. Yeah, yeah, and in the summertime, I think it, you're going to see a lot more. Spring and fall, of course are the times to kind of be more aware of those animals and where they're at. And depending on the species, the time of day can be a really good, uh, helpful hint for when you're going to run into certain animals too. Oh, okay. Um, so Talon had said you had a story about a snake recently. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Our first patient ever oh, actually kind of threw us for a loop that, <laughs> and it was something we never seen before. <laughs> it was, it was a really good, good little story. Um, 
So our, our first patient, our number one patient since we've had our licensing is a little bull snake. And she was found stuck in a window well. We aren't quite sure how long she was in that window well. So when she got to us, we the first thing that was a, a very obvious issue that we needed to address was she had some two big lumps about, I would say probably like two thirds down the way down her body. Yeah, I think you're right. And we weren't positive what they were, but they were really hard. We were thinking, you know, maybe she swallowed something she shouldn't have. Mm. And so we, we picked her up, Talon picked her up. We brought her back to our facility and we were just starting to give her an exam when uh, all of a sudden we noticed, hey, those bulges that we don't know what they are, they're moving. And she ended up just uh, regurgitating both those rocks for us right there and then. She was the easiest patient I think I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I'll and, uh, yeah, they I mean, were pretty I'll, big. They were, and I'll admit, you know, I mean, we, we purposely made sure we had enough money before we opened our doors to encounter these kind of mm-hmm. Murphy situations. Um, but yeah, I mean, my mind was, I was like, man, I'm gonna have to get x-rays and maybe oh, surgery right. and all this. And uh, yeah, then yeah, she regurgitated and saved oh us God. thousands of dollars. Less than five minutes in our doors and she just fixed herself right there. I know, it was awesome. <laughs> Kate, Kate, you said it was a little bull snake. What does that mean? Uh, she's about 40 inches long. Okay. So uh, <laughs> bull snakes is not too terribly, too terribly large that's by any means. That's over three feet though. It is. Okay, so for some people that would <laughs> be some people, I guess a not little so bull little. snake. <laughs> Oh, that's I've definitely a, seen bigger. Oh, such yeah. a great story of your first, <laughs> your yeah. first rehab. Oh, yeah. very, um, very good patient. Yes, exactly. <laughs> very well behaved, well mannered. At that point, do you put her back in the well? Yeah. So with her, in her case, since we didn't know how long she had been in that window well, mm. we had been keeping her to both get her a little bit up to weight, make sure she's hydrated properly, mm. and also to make sure that she didn't have any internal damage from eating those Ooh. rocks. So we've been just kind of waiting for her to kind of fatten herself up a tiny bit before we get her back out to the wild. I thought you said there was another story of a patient. So yeah, so there was a snapping turtle that we got oh. in as well. Um, that was a decent size snapping turtle, but yeah, again, not the biggest. Okay, and what do you mean? Like dinner plate <laughs> sized? Or? A bigger than that. Yeah. She was about 13 inches long with okay. her shell length. Yeah. Okay, so. that's a good size. That's what I would expect for a snapping turtle size. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, pretty average size. Okay. Yeah, so um, so yeah, she came in, she presented you with uh, not a ton of shell damage, which is interesting. Usually you see a lot with car accidents oh. or uh, hit by car animals, but... Um, she did have really bad neurological symptoms, so her head would cock back into the side, kind of, and she oh. really wasn't able to uh, control many motor functions. She was super lethargic. She did have a fracture on her upper and lower mandible, oh. but that was but the neuro, the head trauma was the the big problem that we needed to look at. So, um, you know, we had our facility veterinarian look at her and and do some uh, pain medication and anti-inflammatories and stuff like that and as well as some other supportive care. Um, but unfortunately, she, she did not make it. She did oh. pass away one night, which is unfortunate, but, you know, you you kind of have to think of this as a wildlife hospital, and yeah. um, unfortunately, you know, that's going to be part of it is we, we can't save them all as much as we want, but that is why we do um, as well, you know, have to worry about compassion fatigue and burnout and yeah. taking care of ourselves, you know, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally and that's something that in the rehab rehab field and has really come to light in the last probably about five years mm. people have really looked at compassion fatigue and ways to combat it because if you know if i burn myself out on our, our second patient in and then i you know, yeah. burn you know you know that 
negates me from helping the thousands that may have come in the next yeah. 50 years. So, um, yeah, so she unfortunately didn't make it. You can do what you can and you do your best and that's all you can do. I think we were happy we were there for her. You know, we were yeah. able to provide that care, even if it didn't end up saving her and getting her back to the wild. At least she was comfortable in the end. And yeah. we're really grateful for all the community outreach and all of the um, public support for everybody who's been finding these animals. So mm. both of our patients so far have been, um, you know, just people in their homes or people driving home from work have found these animals mm -hmm. and they took them into their care. They got in contact with us and got these animals to us. So it's really just a huge group effort for everybody. And it's really awesome to see everybody come together to help these animals, even when the outcome isn't exactly what we'd hope. Yeah. Well, and, and the reality is, is we're people in wildlife all living together. So mm -hmm. at certain points we're going to collide Right. Um, maybe even physically, but it's good to know that you're there. Um, and even if someone has questions and they want to know about different things, that your facility is there and, and it's just going to grow from here, I mm -hmm. suspect. Yes. Uh, when you do your education programs, is there one that you like to do the most? Like, okay, I get a lot of questions about this, so I think it's really important for someone to learn about this particular type of mm -hmm. animal or wildlife we live with? Um. There's so many little details. I yeah. feel like every different kind of um, talk that we do has some little point where you're surprised at what people may or may not know. Mm. Yeah, I know personally, and this is purely personal, I just I prefer adult audiences and okay. talking with that community centers or anything like that about um, maybe hiking safety or camping safety. And, mm. and uh, this time of year is a big thing with camping safety. And I tell you what. Yeah, there's always something that surprises you. And I was doing one a while back at Jack's up in North Fort Collins, and we were talking about kind of what to do if you, you turn the corner on a trail and you see a moose. And, oh, yeah. Um, and I didn't know there was a gal that had a, a cast on that had just been trampled by a moose no. that the weekend before the talk. And she's like, this oh, is no. why I'm here, because obviously I didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh. And I felt so bad. But, yeah, she she was really nice, and, and she said that she learned something, you know, okay. about just slowly backing away. She said her problem was that she decided to turn and run, and, and oh. that triggered the – and because it had a baby. So, no. um, you know, just kind of caught it off guard instead of, hey, like, okay make sure they know I'm here and then just slowly back off, you know, while keeping your eye on it. So, yeah, there's always something. But I do like camping safety and hiking safety because, you know, that's when a lot of the human-wildlife conflicts come up is when, when you go into their habitat. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, we get the, you know, the birds that hit windows or the hit-by-cars and maybe the cat or dog attacks, the biggest thing in the urban setting that we see um, from wildlife rehabs standpoint but but yeah when you're going into their habitat you just you have to expect to see them and and so you might as well know how to coexist like you were talking about coexistence is mm -hmm. extremely important and yeah it can solve 90 percent of the problems you'll come across yeah. so yeah like you were saying earlier the more education you have maybe the less rehab you'll have to do physically right mm -hmm. um, and i can understand wanting to teach the adults too because they'll teach the kids too Hopefully. Right? And, yeah. But, it's I mean, plan. kid programs are right. too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are. Because, Kate, I've been to a few of the programs for Herp Society and the Wildlife Center, and you have some ambassador animals that you can sometimes bring. Yes. And I know um, 
a couple of years ago, we had an event and there was some kind of a snake there. Mm-hmm. And I took a, had someone take a picture of me with one of the snakes. And my kids were like, oh, my goodness. <gasps> Mom, you're next to a snake. I never knew. I'm like, well, I don't have anything against snakes, really. I just never encounter them you know so it's super cool to go to some of your events and see some of the ambassador animals up close yeah it's a little bit uh, out of the ordinary for some people for me it's every day but right. for, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a lot of people it's it's something that um i feel like once they first experience it it really changes their mindset about the animals just to see them up close to really kind of just experience it one-on-one, it can totally change a person's mindset, like especially with the snakes and reptiles because, you know, they don't have fur and hair like humans and mammals. And not a lot of people um, consider them as cute as I do. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I don't know. I think just um, for people to experience them and realize like, hey, they're not going to jump at you and, you know, attack you in the face. I think a lot of people have that instinct where – Animals that they don't know very well are just going to do something really unpredictable and crazy. But once they get kind of habituated to being around those animals, it's not so unpredictable anymore. And, and then it's not so scary. And then sometimes it's even really cute. Oh, And then I think people can think a little clearly when they do encounter them in the mm-hmm. wild. You know, one of the things I learned from you on point is snakes just want to get away from you. Yeah. So if you exactly. see a snake in the wild, it's, it's going to go away most yes. likely. And, you know, we have these crazy ideas in our head that like you said the snake's gonna turn around and come get me mm-hmm. like no they're not <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love that people can up close and personal kind of see them even if they don't want to touch them or interact with the animals mm-hmm. they can see like they're fine it's yes, not exactly. some something from a Hollywood movie this is how they really are yes it takes yeah. uh, it takes away the the unknown the fear of the unknown yeah. kind of feeling yeah the education piece is crazy important Talon I completely agree I love that you're getting out there. And I see that you have events like all the time. I wish I can go to so many of them because I do learn something, at least one thing, let's be real, <laughs> at every single event that I attend. Oh, man, there's so much more I can talk to you about. We're getting down to the end of the show. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I think, uh, you know, we're just all really excited to provide more and more services, whether it's, you know, caring for more diverse species of animals or Hopefully, even in the plans, we we're looking at you know starting a rescue and transport kind of unit, so you can you don't have to worry about being late and bringing the animal to the facility when you find it. You can call and we can come help, or maybe come organize a reunite, or you know if an animal's stuck in a fence or something like that. Um, and then yeah, you know who knows where it could go. I mean, you know yeah. we can do um, you know more and more research. You know we already work a lot as rehabilitators with like the health department and this, you know, CDC to track and identify different diseases. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of human services that we provide as well as the animal services. And, you know, yeah, just helping our community with the vet school and the colleges that we have here, giving them their student body somewhere they can do internships and volunteer and mm. get that hands-on experience and, mm-hmm. you know, make their lectures make that much more sense and try to maybe hone in what they want to do with their life, you know. You're just going to keep continuing to grow. Exactly. I want to I want to reiterate, too, where people can find out more information because there's obviously so much more than what we can go over in our half-hour show here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can you tell us the, the, the Facebook and the website again? Yeah, so our website is uh, nocowildlife.org, and our Facebook page is just facebook.com slash nocowildlife. Fantastic. Oh, there's so much more I want to know, but we've got to wrap it up now. So thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah. 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 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Tales with Tales. I sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you have any feedback, send me an email at monique, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E, at silverpawstudio.com. To see images illustrating each tale, check out my blog post at silverpawstudio.com and, of course, in the Tales with Tales Facebook group. Until the next episode, I wish you many woofs, purrs, and T-R-E-A-T-S's. KRFC 88.9 FM Radio Fort Collins, Critter Patter is recorded in their studios in the Music District in the heart of Fort Collins, Colorado.